Hello and welcome to Fragmenters, the most entertaining podcast that I've found where you get to have a conversation with business women who are enthusiastic about life, work, and money. We love building up other women and getting them ready for their new careers. Hey guys, I just wanted to introduce my next guest. We are talking with Meredith. She is an idol of mine, actually. (laughs) I will let her explain all of the different male-dominated fields that she's worked in because it's been a bundle. So, hi, Meredith. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and congratulations on your new show. How fun is this? (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) Very cool. So, you know, I, I, I have worked in a lot of male dominated fields over the years. I don't even know where to start with it all. I actually feel like I kind of thrive in male dominated fields. Like I don't even know how to function really in not male dominated spaces because I think I've all but turned into a dude at this point in time. I talk like a dude. I act like a dude. I'm disgusting like a dude, like all those things. So excited to be here. All right. So right now you're, you own four, 424 degrees, correct? Yes. I'm the president of 424 degrees and We are an advertising agency. We're located in Toledo, Ohio, but we work nationwide. And really our our main clientele are car dealers because that's where I came up. I I really know car dealerships better than anything. It's the first job I had right out of college. My first big girl job was car dealership. Um, And I've just stayed in the industry. They say that like once the car business gets in your blood, it just stays in there. It's always something I heard. And I was like, not me. This is just my... uh, starter career job. I'm going to get a job outside of the car business someday, but that is not the case. I actually love, I've become like a total gearhead myself. I'm obsessed with cars. I could sit like, if they always say like, what's one thing you can talk about for 10 minutes nonstop. Like I could talk about a number of cars for a very long time. I just love cars. I even sold cars at one point in time in my car dealership career. So I've had a lot of different roles at car dealerships And now I've landed on advertising. So I've had this advertising agency for nine years now. So that's kind of fun. And then um, outside of that, I'm a podcaster too. This is a pretty male dominated industry. There's more men with podcasts than there are women for sure. Uh, But in the podcast world, I think I just like shifted so far over because I'm just used to talking to men all day. I was like only women on the girls, girls podcast. So you guys can find me on the girls, girls media podcast. Uh, which is the complete opposite of what I do all day, because I think these guys just wear me out. So I just had to have some feminism inside of my life a little bit at night. So, so my day job, four, two, four degrees and talk to car salesmen all day and at night podcasting. Well, not only do you have your podcast, but you now have a podcast network. Is that correct? We do have a podcast network. So that's huge. (laughs) (laughs) We've grown it quite a bit over the years. So uh, there's the Girls Girls podcast. That's our flagship show. And then we have Glow Girl, which is like a witchy show that's astrology and woo and all that stuff. Um, And then we have two shows where we just get stoned and talk to you. So Her Royal Highness, it's like drunk history. 
uh, my podcast partner, Brittany and I are just, I don't know, we eat a lot of edibles and <laughs> we love the Royals. <laughs> and then we have another show. It's kind of the same thing, like that drunk history type theme. But again, we're stoned because uh, we're a couple of California sober girls. And on that one, we talk about alien encounters. My favorite topic. I love to talk about aliens with people. Um, and then we have the Atta Girl podcast, which is like a work hustle podcast for women. Cause we don't think women get enough of that messaging either. And our friend Kara hosts that podcast. So, uh, a lot going on. And then recently we do it every once in a while. We have a podcast called stock daddy with Brittany's husband, Andy. Um, and that is because another dude thing that I like to do, I've been getting into meme stocks, like super heavy. So I'm investing in Bitcoin and doge and all of that cryptocurrency stuff and then i've also you know got money in gamestop and amc and tesla and you know facebook snapchat all that stuff too like as a retail investor so so that's kind of fun and it is time to buy right now earlier (laughs) (laughs) if you haven't bought yet don't worry you haven't missed the boat go buy some amc it's on sale yeah we just bought some crypto again this week because oh did you yeah, I uh, obviously listen to all of your podcasts, so uh, I get a lot of information from Kara, and I'm loving the new Stock Daddy. I was actually going to ask you if it was still going. It is going. You know, I'm working on a new project right now, um, so that's kind of got put on the back burner, but the new thing is I did feel like we were pretty women-centric. Every once in a while, we'll let a man's voice come on these shows, but I'm really heavily involved in this apex group in Dallas that I call the sales cowboys or the black t-shirt gang. I have a million nickname for these guys. Mm -hmm. That is a very, very male dominated space. Um, I'm in this apex entrepreneurs group. I think there's a couple of hundred entrepreneurs in the group and of all 200 and something of us, I think there's maybe 10 women, but statistically, like that's how it is in the whole United States, right? Like of all the businesses started, how many of these are women owned, right? So it's, I'm a very small percentage of this group are women, but the guys are so helpful and motivating that I wanted to start a podcast where I could just interview a lot of them because they have helped me so much in learning how to ask for money and make more money. And I think that's something that guys are really good at Mm -hmm. that women suck at So, um, my friend, Melissa and I have a new podcast that I'll announce it here. No one really knows about this yet. Um, that we're actually, I've never said it out loud on any podcast, not even my own before. So we're working on a new show called raw ambition brought to you by the hype girls. So, but we're going to be interviewing a bunch of these men who have had such an impact. She's in the apex group with me as well, but a bunch of these men who have had such a huge impact just on us financially, just teaching us like how to make more money, how to get better deals and how to ask for the sale. And I think that there is a lot that we can learn from men that we're not doing as well as women. And I want to take that message to women and be like, listen, this is how you fucking make more money. Cause at the end of the day, money's power. Right. And as women, we need to know how to make more of it. Oh, I agree. Um, not only is money power, but in order to do anything helpful or otherwise, you have to have it. Like my sister asked me, um, because I work my day job in IT, I'm a supervisor. Then we, okay. have, we have our first business selling barrels. We have our selfie studio, first one in Idaho, and now I'm doing a podcast. Right. <laughs> yeah. I feel like podcasting is like 2.0 social media. Like, look at you go girl. You know what I mean? Like you're doing the thing. So that's cool. Yeah. 
But she asked me, she's like, Dina, what are you trying to prove? Like, what's your end goal? And I said, honestly, I want to build a hockey arena. Mm-hmm. And she was like, what, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, no, seriously, I have to make money in order to support the community and the kids and what, what my big goals are. I have to make money. And in order to do that, I have to branch out and I have to ask people and I have to get people in here, just like you're saying, women are not good at asking for help. They're not no. good at asking for money, not good at demanding money. That's for well, sure. Well, we, I mean, I think like we don't ask for, we ask for raises 80% less than men do. There's some crazy statistic. I could be wrong. It's, it's really high. It's like 70, 80% of the time men ask for raises more than women do. It's a, it's a crazy statistic. So, you know, we do need to get better at, at knowing our worth and, and asking for it. And, um, you know, and I think it's important that we kind of hear what these guys, like, what are they saying in these rooms? Mm-hmm. How do they ask for it? Because I think that's the real thing. Like, I want to ask for more money, but I don't even know how much to ask for or how to even say those words, right? So I think it's important that we talk to, to men who do that well um, and just do it our own way. So that's kind of what we're, that's kind of what we're thinking for the premise of that show. No, that's super exciting. I nope. will definitely be one of the first subscribers because I'm, <laughs> I actually, um, in the position I, I currently have, I have a mentor and she's like, Dina, I don't give a shit what they offer you ask for five grand more. Yes. They could ask, they could offer you like a million dollars a year, ask for five grand more. Just yeah. Whatever it is. Just, yeah. (laughs) And I've, I've started adopting women that I'm trying to mentor as well. And I've had two now that went for promotions or different jobs or something, neither of them were able to, to nut up and ask. So no, it's tough. It's tough in the moment. Yeah. (laughs) We just got to ask for it. It's, it's really hard. And I I think it just comes from, it's just the way we're conditioned, right? Like we should just be grateful for every fucking opportunity. I'm sorry. Are we allowed to cuss on this show? Oh yeah. I've been (laughs) cussing up a storm. Okay, good. Like we should just be grateful for every fucking opportunity that drops on our lap. Like that's the way we're conditioned to think. And it's like, you know what? No, I am not just grateful for every opportunity that drops on my lap. I'm going to be more picky about this shit. And I'm going to go at it with the confidence of a mediocre white dude. That's what I'm going to do from now on. Like, fuck it. They're doing it and they suck. Men (laughs) suck. Am I allowed to say that on this show? Of course. (laughs) I tell my husband. I feel working with them all the time for so many years. I just know that the women I work with work a hundred times harder every single time and we make less money doing it. And so I'm just tired of it. Like, I just want to flip that whole script, flip the table on it. And, you know, for a long time, for many, many years, I was like, no, fuck men. I don't even want to talk to men. Like I talked to them enough all day long. But then when I really started networking with them and watching them, like the weird animals that they are and really studying them, I was like, hold on, they're onto something here. And this is something that we as women do not know how to do. And maybe there is something that we could learn and take away from this. So, oh, for sure. I mean, Mm -hmm. they didn't get where they're at without doing something they just ask for it different. And it's really all it is. They're not more talented than us. They're just better at asking for money. That's all it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. and 
Going back to where you said we've been conditioned to be grateful, we've also been conditioned, if you think about it, which I'm pretty sure you've covered in podcasts before, but we've been conditioned, if you're a good person, you have less. Yes. Yeah. If you strive for success or popularity or to have your name out there or to have abundance right. of money, you're a bad person. You're a bad person and you're not humble and you should learn how to be more humble. Yeah. Right. Like I just hate that whole, I hate all that fucking messaging, all of it. In fact, I think we should celebrate each other's wins more. Like, I think it should be the complete opposite. Like we have to start positioning ourselves as as the experts in whatever field we're working in right now, make sure everybody knows that you're the smartest goddamn woman in the room right now. Make sure they know. Don't even be humble about it because that's where opportunities are created and that's where they exist. And those guys are like cutthroat. Like they definitely are making sure that everybody in the room knows they're the smartest guy in the room. So be right there with them, right beside them, making sure everybody knows your name. And, and that's why, that's one of the main reasons I started this podcast is one, letting women know, starting at a younger age, because you can reach younger people on podcasting, but mm-hmm. letting women know that you can go in these fields. Even if you don't see a skirt in there, you can be the first one. It can You can happen. be the first skirt. And also it almost makes you a little unique, right? So like I'm talking about Dallas again, it's one of the most uncomfortable rooms that I'm in. If I'm perfectly honest, when I first went, I hated it. And I was like, I'm not even going to go back to this thing anymore. It's a bunch of like dude bros that like talk about working out all the time. And they're wearing like tight shirts and Gucci belts. And what the fuck am I doing here? A guy just pulled up in a Ferrari. I do not understand this culture. What is this? Right. It was so uncomfortable. But then I realized like all of them were talking to me like they thought like I was like the new toy in the room. Some Midwest middle aged mom that's like chubby and doesn't necessarily fit in, but can cuss with the best of them and is making everybody laugh. They were like, fuck yeah, we really like this girl. So right away, like they had none of these things put up that I had put up about them. You know what I mean? Like they were like, oh, she's cool, fun. Come over here, girl. But I was like, oh my God, what am I doing here? I do not belong in this room. I can't even make eye contact. I can't even talk to anybody. And I'm finding like, if you're the first woman in a room and I was one of the first ones in this room, Mm -hmm. if you're the first woman in a room, uh, it's almost to your advantage, right? Because now you can control like the temperature of this room. You can bring more women into the room with you. Um, and you can, you know, I hate to say like, you're like the cool girl with these guys, but you are. And I think I I take it as a personal responsibility to bring more women into this room now, because I was one of the first ones to show up inside of it. And the other women in the room have the same thought process as well. So I do think that we have a responsibility when we enter rooms first, but also we should be more open to entering a room for the first time. Yep. Mm -hmm. It, it, it's scary for sure. When I worked at the gold mine, I was in IT. So I was in male dominated industry and my role. And I was the only woman globally in the entire. Wow. Yeah. It can suck. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good to have women out there and to experience that. And like you had mentioned, bring them in. Right. And the only way we can bring them in is if we let go of the old narrative that there's only two slots 
So you got to beat the shit out of the other women in order to reach that slot. That's right. anymore it's not like that anymore but you know I've been also in rooms that I've decided to fucking leave because they were toxic though so I guess there's two it's different as a business owner because I can determine what rooms I'm in now right so nobody's determining what I earn except for me because I'm the one that's pitching these deals I'm the one that's closing these sales I'm the owner of the company I get to set these rates but I've also been on the other side of that where I worked for somebody else right And it was at the car dealership. I was an HR assistant and was doing the, my mentor and boss left. She took a job in Tennessee. So they brought this new guy in and he didn't know how to do shit. And I had already been there like four years and I was basically doing all his jobs for him. So they gave me the title HR manager. So I wasn't the assistant anymore. Now I was an HR manager and it came with like a, like a shitty little, $2,000 $2,000 a year raise, like fucking not, not anything a manager should be paid, not what the industry was paying for that job title. But they thought like, oh, that'll make her like happy and want to stay here and keep helping this guy out who doesn't know what he was doing. Eventually he ended up losing his job because he fucking sucked and wasn't doing it. And I was doing everything. So then I became the HR director. But the thing was, they were paying him $140,000, $50,000 a year. And now they were like, well, we are going to give you a tremendous raise because I was only making like $50,000, $52,000 a year as the HR manager. And they were like, we're going to give you this amazing raise, Meredith. You are now the HR director and we're going to pay you like $64,000 a year. Oh, and I was like, God, are you fucking kidding me? I'm your half off HR director. So like my husband and I would come home and he'd be like, oh, you're the fucking half off HR director. Like that became my nickname around the house, the half off. Like whenever they would call at night with their HR goddamn problems, like nine o'clock at night, who's getting the phone call that someone needs fired tomorrow, right? I get the phone call and Sean's like, oh, I hope they know they called you at nine o'clock at night, half off HR director. And it just wasn't even like worth the money. But I also knew what the other guy got fucking paid because I did payroll. It was in HR. I could see the payroll. So it's just like so toxic. And when you're in that situation as a woman and you know, like you just, like you just know you're getting fucked. You know what I mean? I don't think there's any fixing that. I don't think you should be comfortable in that room. I don't think you should stay in that room. I think it's time to look for another opportunity. Or like me, I was just so exhausted by that shit that I was just like, I don't, I don't know if starting my own company was a trauma response to that or what, but sometimes I really do think it's like a little PTSD mixed in there about this. That I was like, that will never, ever fucking happen to me again. And in fact, I've like gone so hard in the paint about that experience that like now I like strive to like, I don't even know, like I probably get sued for saying this. I don't fucking care. Like I only want to hire women now. And like, I'm really specific about it. And like, I just, I don't know. I, and, and I also am like very conscious of the fact that the women who work for me are not going to ask me for a raise. So I make sure I just give it to them without asking. Cause I know they're not going to do it. So I'm just trying to like, just take that experience that I had that was so fucking hard coming up in my career and just try to somehow turn that into a positive thing that maybe can help elevate other women in their careers as well. I don't know. That's basically what I've been doing. I think it's just a trauma response, actually. (laughs) 
was actually going to ask you if you had always wanted to be a business owner. I didn't remember. Oh my God. And actually my husband and I were just talking about this the other day. He asked me that same question. He was like, so when you were a little girl, like, what did you think? And I was like, I thought I was going to be a doctor. Like I didn't, this was never, I was going to grow up and be a doctor or a country music singer. Like those were the two options. There was no other app. Like I never thought like entrepreneur would be the answer to it. But I also was just get tired of getting fucked at work with my paycheck all the time. Yeah. And then as a business owner, I realized I also don't know how to ask for money very well. So I had to like teach myself that and learn how to do sales and learn how to ask for the sale and close deals and learn how to be more aggressive in pricing. And, and it, and I've been in business nine years and I'm still not that damn good about it. So I feel like if I could just become a millionaire, like that, I don't know why it's in my head, but I've had it in my head for a few years. I'm like, I have to fucking become a millionaire because how hard can it be? How, it turns out it's very fucking hard, but yeah. <laughs> keep trying every day because once I figure it out, I just want to write the book on it. And I just want to like tell other women, like, this is what I did. This is all the fucked up mistakes I made and don't make those mistakes. So I can like fast forward you to become a millionaire faster. So I just feel like, you know, I've said it a million times already probably today, but money is power and we just need more power. Yes, Mm -hmm. for sure. Well, now can I get a guarantee from you that when you're a millionaire, you'll come back on? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because I'll have to promote my book. Exactly. (laughs) We're getting closer. We, uh, we're doing, this is our biggest month we ever had. Uh, was February and March is going to be even bigger. And we're doing about $130,000 a month in revenue right now. Yeah. So exciting. Man, I didn't even, my husband was like going through the, this is when he brought up, did you ever want to own a business? Cause you're really good at it. And I'm like, I didn't used to be though, because the very first year, I I don't think I made, I don't think I did $60,000 in revenue for the whole year. And now I'm doing like how much in a month. Right. So it's just like crazy. If you just stick with it and you learn how to ask for that money, it will come to you. For sure. So do you have any formal education or this is all learned on the fly? Um, Well, yeah, I have a bachelor of science degree um, from the university of Toledo, but that's about it. And then I, but I'm a big believer in business coaches. So, you know, everybody's a goddamn coach. Now everyone's a freaking life coach. It's hard to know who you can trust and, and who you should go to. But I hired a coach Brandy, um, a couple of years ago, and she really helped me get right on a lot of things. But one thing she really helped me do that has changed my whole life is learn how to organize my time. And so I feel like if, if women knew also how to better organize their time, you could feel like maybe you would have it all because I don't believe that, excuse me, I don't believe there's such a thing as work-life balance. I think that's bullshit, (laughs) but I do believe that there are buckets of time. So if I need to put time into the family bucket, I need to know how to like put that on my schedule. I literally put family time on my schedule. Um, because I, what I found is a schedule feels like it's not freedom. And why did we start our businesses if we aren't going to have like freedom with our time, but actually a schedule is freedom because I'm allowed to put whatever the fuck I want on my schedule. So I can schedule Tuesday off as long as I move all my appointments to other days that are not on Tuesday. Right. So, so I just live and die by the schedule. And that was something that my business coach taught me, but if you can work a schedule, you can work a side hustle. You can still make it to the football game on Friday night and support your kid. 
You can still, you know, make sure you're doing school drop off in the morning. You can even still work out. I found so you can do all these things as long as you're working your schedule. Yeah, that is, I love the bucket of time. I'm actually going to write it down. Yeah. Cause people ask me all the time, like now I'm starting this podcast and we just started the business. They're like, when do you have time? I'm like, I put it on the schedule. Yeah. I have it on the schedule. It's yeah. Six o'clock on Sunday. That's right. what we have time to do. <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk for 30, 40 minutes. That's it. Go away. And it's done. It's on the schedule. It's done. Yeah. I mean, what else? It, before I walked into this today, I was literally watching the Magic Johnson thing on HBO. So like, what's who cares? So I'm not doing that right now. I'm doing this instead. Right. It's not a big deal. I just traded time. Yep. No. So I'm- time definitely exists. I mean, I, I'm a, like a serial entrepreneur. I've got so much shit going on. There's shit that you guys don't even know about that I do. I have a cannabis marketing company as well. Um, we have the podcast company. We have this company. And I've been putting my fingers inside of doing some things with high school athletics. It's like a whole fucking thing. So there's like a bunch of things that I have going on. But the only reason it gets done is because I put it on my schedule. So you can do anything you want to do if you make a time slot for it and then actually show up for it. Yep. No, I mm-hmm. love that. Yep. What's been your biggest obstacle in, I mean, besides the $1 million mark, <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's been a big one, but what's been your biggest obstacle in being as successful as your desire? Uh, well, besides mindset is a huge one. I mean, it really took me a long time to think that I even deserve any of this or, and it took me a long time to set standards even. So I was just like, again, grateful for every opportunity, but now I'm like, not so much, right? Like I have a standard, like, and I'm not going to be thankful for every single opportunity because I don't want every single opportunity. So I think mindset was really a big thing that I had to work on. I had a lot of money hangups I had to get over. Mm-hmm. Um, another obstacle I think that I find um, just from being a business owner is just dealing with the day-to-day of running a business, I guess. It, it is kind of crushing because it's yeah. not just all roses and lollipops. It's an emotional roller coaster. Some days you're broke as fuck and some days you're on cloud nines. So there's like that money emotional roller coaster that's going through. You're always waiting for people to pay you or whatever. So you're just chasing money all the time. So that's tough. Um, and, and I think just managing people is hard. I think managing people as a woman is very fucking hard um, because I don't want to come off as a bitch but I also need you to do what I need you to fucking do because I have a standard in a way I want us to do things around here, but I want you to live up to that. And so one of the biggest lessons I think is a business owner that's been the hardest is that I have to hire slow and fire fast. And I have a fucking hard time firing fast because I have all this trauma from HR and like, laying people off and doing these huge things. And when I was going to start my company, we weren't going to do business like that. So like, but no, you do have to fire people sometimes and it sucks. And I always worry after I let someone go that they're going to like blast me online or, you know, say, share things that maybe I said off the cuff in the office that I don't want anyone to know. Like, I don't know, there's all these little things that go into it that I just think that men don't really worry about when they, when they fire someone, they're like, fuck it, they're gone, whatever. Right. I'm worried. They're going to screenshot all my shit and blast on the internet. Like I have all these like unfounded anxieties that like, I think just that just comes along with being a woman, I think. Yeah, no, I think so too. And 
you touched on one topic that I love, and it's the bitch word. Yeah. You are, you have a hang up and you're so worried about being a bitch. I'm so worried about being a bitch. In fact, we just had this retreat and someone came up to me and she was like, I thought you would be bitchier. And I don't mean that like in a bad way, but you're so nice and accommodating. And I was like, this is customer service, Meredith. Like, <laughs> she's so nice and does not want anyone mad at her ever in any sort of work environment. And I have a really hard time not being like a super people pleaser because I'm so worried someone will think I'm being bitchy. Yeah. And it's that bitch word. It's just this tag that's been thrown on us. That's fucking unwarranted. Yeah. And it's bullshit because men can say things in my experience, blah, blah, blah. Don't sue me. Men can say things like half as harsh as what I do. And I'm a bitch and they're just status quo. And I'm really working on, I don't give a fuck if people think I'm a bitch anymore. So I don't want to identify her. My girlfriend is a sales manager at a really big car dealership. One of the biggest car dealerships in the country. And she called me one day and her whole staff is men. Uh, There's a few women that sell for her, but mainly it's men that she's overseeing. And she in super successful, super successful men, super like performance driven, high performing. Okay. So high performing males. And she was like, I was told in the sales meeting today that I was being too harsh on these guys, but I mean, their numbers are down and I need them to perform. And so do you have any advice for me on how to get these guys to perform without calling me a bitch? And I was like, that is so fucked up. I have sat like immediately. I was like, are you serious right now? I have sat in so many sales meetings and listened to the general sales manager just just fucking scream at these dudes and just rip them and threaten to like take away their demos and take away their bonuses. And if you don't get these numbers up, just threat, 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 toxic shit. But if she talks about performance needing to improve, she's coming off as a bitch. Yeah. It's crazy to me. Yeah. It's a fucking badge of honor now. Yeah. Seriously, that you got to flip the script. She got pulled aside, like pulled aside over this shit. Like we need you to not, you know, come off. So they like to use the word aggressive, aggressive. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, fuck you. Sometimes I have to manage people. Yeah. And that's not aggressive. Yeah. Or bitchy, but we're so worried about it. We're, We're just so paranoid about it. I used to be. That's, I need to work on my money mindset now. I worked on the bitch part first. (laughs) I don't care if I'm called a bitch. You can call me a bitch. We're going to get our shit done. I think that I'm working on the bitch part now where I'm like, you know what? You're just not fucking good for me. Go work somewhere else. I I don't know. If you think I'm a bitch, I don't fucking care. Go, go somewhere else. Maybe write yourself a little badge and wear it. (laughs) I'm trying to show you Have a. it just says bitch, bitch in charge or something. (laughs) (laughs) So Uh, what's helped you? the most get where you are. You've mentioned the, the black t-shirt gang, but they're recent. So yeah, they're pretty recent. I mean, I think that what, what has helped me the most is just, um, I really just slept off the whole idea that I would need to be present all the time. Oh God, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this. <laughs> this is internally the truth. This is what actually helped me the most. Mm-hmm. 
I, when my kids were very little, I decided I didn't fucking care. I was going to be a career person and I was going to be a businesswoman. And I loved working in business and I found I was very good at it. And so I immediately was like, we're getting a nanny and uh, I'm going to have this lady come to my house every day and she's going to take the kids to and from school. And she's going to take them to doctor's appointments during the day. I'm not going to be interrupted at work. When I'm at work, I'm working. And when I'm home, I'm seriously home. Mm -hmm. And so I really learned how right away to manage that time again, um, but also how to ask for help. And Becky, our nanny, when the kids were little, I always credit her with, with this wouldn't even have been happening or possible without the help of Becky there for me, because she did not bother me at work. And she would make sure dinner was ready when I came home and like all the shit that my husband wasn't not helping me with or not doing. Cause he just fucking wasn't like, let's just be real. Sean solo sucked at that shit <laughs> and he was tired too. And so he would come home from a long day of work. And the last thing he wanted to do was laundry or any of that. But that was also the last fucking thing that I wanted to do. Yeah. Why was that mental load always on me? Why was I always carrying that burden? So one day I just went on strike and that did not fucking go well at my house. And then very quickly after that, I no longer had to schlep these kids to daycare to go to work every day and get interrupted while I was at work by the daycare because a kid has a little sniffle. Can you please come and get this shit kept happening all the time. Mm -hmm. I was the one that kept having to leave work. My husband never fucking left work for these kids. Only I was leaving work. And the second that I put a stop to that, it was like a mental shift inside my head happened that not only was my husband's career important, but my career was fucking important. In fact, it was important enough that we were going to hire someone else to help out with this mental load that I had to carry around the house all the time. So I call her a nanny, but the truth of the matter, she's probably more of a house manager is probably what she was for us because she was raising my children for me while I was at work from nine to five every day. But she was also, you know, like doing laundry, making sure dinner was done. She even went to the grocery store for me. This was before you could have like groceries delivered and shit. So that allowed me to be able to like think and dream and build bigger things and start a side hustle originally in order to start my agency. So I wouldn't have been able to do any of that without her help. And I, and I think that as women, we really think that we can do it all. And then we get so fucking burned out and we get pissed at our husbands. And, and we even like this almost caused a divorce in my house. It almost caused a divorce in my house. Um, and then I was like, why can't I put my career first? And so once I started looking at it that way and I felt no shame and no guilt in it, I didn't, I just let all that shit go, all that mom get go. Cause I knew my kids were well cared for. Like Becky was excellent at taking care of my kids. Like I was doing the best thing for all of us by bringing her in, bringing someone into my home to help me raise the kids. And yeah. she would come over every day. She would get at my house at like seven 45 in the morning. And then she would leave my house when I got home at 515, she would leave right there, right after. So she was just there all day long and she just handled shit. Never, ever called me and I never had to leave. That's amazing. And yeah, I, sh I should have known this about you. I mean, one of the big things that you always say is ask for help. If mm -hmm. you need help, do it. And I actually, I've hired someone and she cleans our bathrooms that's what I'm saying. It's just huge. Like just a small, if you can take like just anything off your plate, anything off your plate. And, and I know people are like, oh my God, well, I can never afford a nanny. I would like to push back on you about the cost of daycare. So this is how I found her. 
she was working in the baby room at the daycare that my son was in. And I was pregnant with Lila and I was getting ready to have another baby. And I was like, man, when I have to send three kids now to daycare, it's hundreds and hundreds of dollars per week. Like it's a fucking huge amount of money. So then I started talking to Becky about it. And I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to get to work on time. If I have a two-year-old kid and a fucking baby trying to get out the door, like I have no, like, I was just so upset. Like I had a newborn baby. I had Logan. I didn't know how I was going to get to work on time. I was like crying all the fucking time. Like just an emotional mess. I was so goddamn tired. And then she was like, they only pay me like $9 an hour here. And I was like, what? Oh my God. I can do so much better than that. I'm paying them way more than that to bring my kids here every day. So I actually ended up just paying her what I was going to pay daycare. And it was a huge race for her. And she was so happy to not be stuck in a room with five crying babies all day. Yeah. Seriously. And you were able to help. Women could help each other out and seriously change the world. That's what I was going to say. My housekeeper, I love her to death. She comes in, we chit chat every time before she comes in and when she leaves and she's like, Dina, this you're helping pay me to get through school. She's like, I appreciate mm-hmm. you every time. So every time. Yep. Yeah. It's, yep. it's super exciting. And I love hearing how you handled because in, in the thick of it, when you went from nothing to as successful as you are, you had kids. You yeah. didn't do this before you had them. You didn't do. No, no, no. They were all part of this. Every like this is a family business. They all grew up in it. In fact, we always joke like who wants to take over the agency so dad and I can retire. And they're all like, I don't want it. <laughs> they're all like, it's too much work. I don't want it. Well, and, it really is just a part of our family life. And it's so good for people to know, especially younger women to know that you can have the kids. You can have your yes. kids and eat it too and have it all a mode. You can have the kids and not even cart the kids to daycare. You can have the kids and just have someone come to your house instead. You can, you can make your life easier in ways that will change your life. Yeah. I swear to God, just having someone come over instead of me constantly leaving work and constantly figuring out daycare schedules and all this stuff was a huge game changer, huge game changer. You sure? So I'm going to take it back to work again. (laughs) Okay. Um, Why do you feel it's imperative for women to work in your field or any of the fields that you've been in? Well, um, I, I think it's imperative that women work in every field personally. Um, but particularly we'll just use the car business as an example. I think it's pivotal that women work in the car business. In fact, I tell women all the time that if you want to make a bunch of fucking money today, go sell cars tomorrow. Like, you'll make money quickly and you'll make a lot more money. And the reason is because we are not sleazy used car salesmen and we don't come off that way. And, and women make 80% of the major purchasing decisions in their household. And women would prefer to deal with another woman when they're in the car dealership than a guy. Oh, that is why it is so imperative that we have women in the car dealerships, because even on the service side, like service advisor greeting you as a woman, writing up your service, you just, we just have much more of a trust factor than men do, but it's because we're just going to tell you the truth about it. We're not going to be snaky and gross and whatever. And so uh, we definitely are desperate for more women in the car business. And I promise you, you'll make more money because again, I've seen the paychecks. 
women make more money in car sales than guys do. And I sold cars for a year to save money for my agency. Um, so I quit HR and I just went and sold cars for a year to save up money. Cause I knew they made the most money. My first month, you guys, I just posted on Facebook a million times that I was selling cars and I sold 15 cars. Wow. Just to Facebook friends. <laughs> That's- don't even have to try. Well, and you're, and I made more money than I ever made in a month in my whole life. I was like, holy shit. I just made $10,000. I never made $10,000 before. Like that was so, that would, that was like three months of work. That was so foreign to me to make that much money at once. Yeah. Well, and you're so right. I've had the experience where I walk in and I was paying cash for a car mm-hmm. and they only talked to he was my boyfriend. Now he's my husband. Oh God. It's so annoying talk to him. And I literally, I was the one who was coming in for this car. Yeah. yeah. So I can see how I would love to work with a woman. So yeah, of course, women who came in loved working with me. Like they would seek me out. Like I'll wait for her. You know what I mean? Like a stranger that I don't know in the showroom would be like, I'll wait for her. And they would wait for me and want to work with me. So we definitely need more women. Now the guys that were coming, cause I was, I was selling cars in a little tiny town out in Bowling Green, Ohio. Um, and I was selling Chevys. And so we would have farmers come in and buy trucks. And so I had to know these trucks better than any of the guys on the floor, because I knew all about the engines. I knew how much they would tow. I knew the payloads. I knew every fucking thing about these trucks because the farmers would test me and they would never test the male salesman, they were only testing me. But once I would prove myself, that guy was very fucking loyal and he would send more of his farmer buddies in to see me because I knew my shit. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give someone wanting to enter in? Well, car sales, owning a business, podcasting, you know, I'll take that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, anything. My advice would be just to try it. I mean, I, I've, I always say social media has opened a lot of doors for me and in a lot of different opportunities. So I just try to put myself out there as much as possible. So if I wanted to start a podcast, I would start a podcast. And then I would tell everyone on social media that you start a podcast and see how it goes. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you have to lose? Who cares? Um, I think that it's a great way to talk to people and interview people. If, if you want to start your own business, I think that you side hustle that shit and see how it goes. Like, Start doing it a little bit at night. See if you can get one client. See if you can sell a couple things. See how it goes. Um, but eventually, I think you got to pull the trigger on it and decide that you're all in. So test something out a little bit. See if it works. And if it's working, go all in on that shit because you only get one life. So do what makes you happy. Yes, I feel that. <laughs> yeah, do 10 things that make you happy. It doesn't matter. No. When I first started my agency, my, I was like, I'm going to sell, I'm going to start a car dealership, social media agency. We're going to sell cars on Facebook. I, we were one of the only dealerships doing it at the time where I was working. Um, and I was speaking at all these car conferences and people were asking for my help for services. But when I told my parents, my own parents, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to start this agency. First, I'm going to go sell cars for a year um, and save up money to be able to do it. And they were like, what are you doing? You have a degree. You have this business degree. You have this great HR job. You are speaking at conferences. Why would you ever leave that? And I was like, because I know that Facebook is going to be huge. I just know it's going to be fucking huge. And at the time, like Facebook page just came out. Like it was just personal profiles, like 2008, like this shit didn't even exist yet. 
And I was like, no, I just know it's going to be huge. And my parents told me I was crazy. Mm -hmm. They were legitimately so worried about me that they thought I had like had a mental break. Like I was having a mental breakdown because I wanted to just not do that, but just start my own thing that no one was doing. No one was doing this, but I was going to be the one to do it. And they were like, this is fucking crazy. And it paid off. So even if you're going to be the first one, because you see that there's a problem that you can solve and no one's even seen this problem yet as an entrepreneur, as long as you know what problem you're solving and you know, in your heart that people want this thing, fucking go for it. Even if your own parents tell you you're crazy, go for it. I hundred percent support that. Both of our businesses that we've started, started out with me walking up to Nick saying, babe, I got this idea. And I explain it. And he's like, Oh, you're, you're on one. And then, (laughs) you know, we've been in business selling barrels. We're like the leading distributor in wine barrels in in East Idaho. That's what I'm saying. You (laughs) You saw a problem that needed to be solved. Yeah. (laughs) You solved it. And And I think women are great problem solvers. We can just see that ahead of time. Yeah, for sure. Well, I told him, I was like, I know I'm crazy, but I'm not crazy as in the only person who wants wine barrels here. (laughs) There's got to be one other. (laughs) Yeah. So recently we developed these chat bots. Um, I'm a Facebook developer too, which is just don't even get me started about being a woman working in tech. Cause that's all, this is a whole me. other, yeah. Years. That's <laughs> I just fucking hate the way these fucking dudes talk to me. I'm like, go fuck yourself. But anyway, cause I'm just some dumb blonde to them, but I'm like, okay, go fuck yourself. But, um, I, I, we started developing these chat bots for recruiting and we started working with semi-trucks, like finding CDL drivers to drive semi-trucks. So we were working with some trucking companies. Um, and my husband was like, dude, I don't know. I don't know. And I was like, no, dude, there's a huge need right now. They're having a big problem trying to find these truck drivers. Well, that was, that was a year ago, right. That I started doing this for these truck drivers. Cause I saw that there was this huge need to find these truck drivers. And I was like, oh, there's a huge need for service technicians at car dealerships. So we'll do it for them. That worked. Then I was like, oh, well, now there's huge needs for hospitals. We have a hospital client now finding nurses. So we've developed these chatbots and now we're going into like every single industry. And that's how we've made so much money in the last year was just by seeing that there was a need that we could solve. So if you can just solve a problem, just if you can just just really ride that, ride that wave Mm -hmm. of solving whatever that problem is in the moment and then shift, quickly shift when the problem solved, shift to the next problem you can solve. I feel like you have given me so much good advice today, but I want to know what is the best advice you've ever received, either personally or professionally or both. (laughs) I mean, it might be both. It's from my mom. And uh, she always said, make sure you have your own money. And it's because she came out of a bad divorce before she married my dad. Um, and he took everything and then he didn't give her any child support. He didn't even buy my older brother, Michael, as, as much of a tube as toothpaste. He just abandoned him. And so, you know, it was something that my mom always taught me growing up was, you know, I have secret money hidden from your dad. You just never know when you're going to need it. And so that was like a thing, right? Like you just never know. Just always make sure you've got a little money hidden or like a little bit of your own money, like never rely on a man, uh, for money. And it was like a huge theme through my life. And I don't know if that's why I'm so fiercely independent or what, but I do not think that we should rely on men for money. Uh, I think we got to make our own. (laughs) Yep. Yep. 
You got to ask for it. You got to ask for it. You got to make it. Ask for a raise. Yeah. And then you spend it however the fuck you want. Don't let anyone tell you that either. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, I just saw a Facebook post and it said, if you pay for it yourself, you're not fucking high maintenance. And I that is right. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to start saying it. Mm-hmm. I have another little saying too, that everything is funny with a pocket full of money. So I have an old sales manager who used to say that to me. Everything's funny with a pocket full of money. And it's true. Everything yep. is funny with a pocket full of money. For sure. Yep. Another thing I'm, I didn't even expect, but I am loving from starting this podcast and meeting all these women is talking about money. Yes. That is one of the most taboo things. You don't talk about your family's money. You don't talk about you making money, your husband's money. It's fucking weird, right? Because it's the thing yeah. we're thinking about all the time. Yeah. Do you it's think about all, I think about that shit all the time. Yeah. Because it is, it's, it's a level of, you know, I don't, it's a tool. It's a, it, it's nothing more than a tool for a comfortable life. It's nothing more than that. You know, it's the difference between your car problem being fucking devastating or just being a minor Tuesday inconvenience. So it's just a tool that we have to have. Yeah. And there's no shame in talking about it. Nope. Shame in saying actual numbers, and there's no shame in women making more than their partner. That's right. And they shouldn't have to fucking ask permission for it. I've That's right. Multiple times, and that pisses me off. It it makes us stuck. Yeah. It just makes us stuck. And then you feel I don't know if you've ever been in a bad relationship or not, but mm-hmm. I sure have, and uh, I felt very stuck. And uh, it's it's terrible to feel like you can't get out of something. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I love it. Now the big tough question, what do you do for fun? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know. I don't even know. I was just, I just had lunch yesterday with my best friend, Chad. Uh, Every gal needs a good gay bestie and that's mine. And so we were out to lunch and he was like, what are you doing today? And I was like, I don't know. What are you doing today? I was like, I don't know. I'm probably just going to like work and shit. And I was like, me too. And he was like, can we just be honest that like, we just like to work. And I was like, yes, that's what I like to do. (laughs) I really like the work that I do. And so it doesn't, I don't know. So probably like besides work, like when I absolutely need to just fucking shut it off. I mean, obviously I like to hang out with my kids and stuff, but a true, true hobby would be, um, I have been working my way through Julia Child's cookbook ever since the beginning of the pandemic, because I never learned how to cook. So I just was like, I'm going to teach myself how to do this. And I used to like fucking hate cooking. But when you, when I look at it more as I'm just trying new things in Julia Child's old ass cookbook today, um, and Julia's teaching me something new, then it feels really, really fun. So Um, I like to work through her cookbook. And then also I just am super into cannabis and I don't care who knows it. I fucking love it. And so (laughs) I'm probably like just stoned on an edible listening to music or something. I want to learn how to play ukulele. My kid got me a ukulele for Christmas. So I think I'm just going to start getting real high and playing the ukulele. Like that's what I'm going to do for fun. Cause I don't know what I do for fun. I don't think I have hobbies. Do you? Oh yeah. I have a hobby. I do so many things. So what do you do? 
Well, one thing happened at the girls' girls retreat. I'm getting okay. cross stitching. <laughs> oh, you yeah. are? I am. I've almost finished. Oh, I just don't have the focus of it. I have like I tried. I did like one little X, and I was like, "This shit ain't for me." I can't. Well, I didn't think so either. But what I do is when I'm sitting at picks if we're slow or if the customers don't need any help, I have a TV show going. We have music playing for the customers. And then I have the cross stitch. Holy shit. I know what my hobby is. You just said that. And it made me think of what my hobby is. <laughs> what is it? When you said you just sit there and you do this thing in between things. Uh-huh. I do have a thing like that. I am a top rank player online for ticket to ride. <laughs> <laughs> You weren't expecting it, were you? (laughs) I allow myself to play two to three Ticket to Ride online games a day. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Every game takes seven minutes. I play this. So that's 21 minutes a day that I spend playing Ticket to Ride. And usually I'm doing it right before I go to bed to help shut my brain off a little bit. But I'll tell you what, I kick fucking ass at Ticket to Ride. (laughs) Then guess that like we have all the board games. I'm obsessed with t- all the board games, all the different places that you can play Ticket to Ride. Um, and so I was thinking about they have like these conferences. They're called like cons, mm-hmm. where like people yeah, get like together and play like tabletop games. Yeah, I was thinking that maybe it's time for Meredith to enter a real Ticket to Ride competition because my score is in the 1300s, which is like a huge score like top five percent yeah do it you should I don't know I don't know I didn't put it on my schedule so it hasn't happened yet <laughs> I will text you every day have you put it, <laughs> have you put it on? <laughs> uh, so that's what I do no that's I do have some phone games that I play too you do I I cannot do more I cannot do one thing I have to be doing a million things at once so yeah I I'll have a phone game running if I'm like on a phone call or you can probably see I have to have a silent fidget on me in order to really somewhat still during you know these interviews and stuff (laughs) there you go there you go but yeah so that's all I have for you okay you have anything for me I, uh, I really just wish you a lot of success. Thank you. I'm excited for this idea. It's not been done. And I think that there's definitely a place for women to talk about their roles, uh, in male dominated workplaces. And I don't think it always has to be bad. I think that we can turn that into a positive and invite more women in. Oh, for sure. So. And that my, my goal is actually to not be bad. I don't like dwelling on it because we've all, had the shit we've all had the experiences but if we focus on that nobody wants to join and it stays that you don't learn you don't grow if you just focus on the garbage of it right so bringing women together and seeing how we are changing it and how we can expand and we're fucking people and we can have kids and we can be funny and we can yeah you can. I'm in Idaho, so I can. You can have edibles to relax, and you know you do whatever the fuck you want, gal. You don't right. have to do what they tell you. But we're real people. We don't have to be these hard ass bitches who don't mm-hmm. have families in order to be successful business people. That's right. 
Plus, I really like meeting all of you awesome women. (laughs) (laughs) I like meeting you all too. So, well, good. Well, thanks for doing this. Yeah. Um, You brought up Girls, Girls, all your other podcasts. Where can they find you? I'm the only Meredith Solo online, but my last name is spelled S-O-L-E-A-U. So I'm just Meredith Solo on every single platform. I use my own name. There's a quick tip for all you gals. Brand your name. Brand your name. Men use their whole name. Yep. Use your whole name. <laughs> That's a good tip. I usually just use my first and I yep. spell it phonetically because no one pronounces it properly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just brand that. The D. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Awesome. So find you Instagram, Facebook, TikTok here. Yep. I barely TikTok. I don't know what to do with it over there, but yeah, I'm on TikTok too. So. Alrighty. Well, thank you, Meredith. I really appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you for having me. You have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you liked this, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure that you can more easily find me in the future. Thank you again. Bye. We got the right stuff. We put the hammer right down.